welcome to a bonus episode of Radio MVP Sports Podcast. Hi everyone, I'm Tim, and joining me here in just a few moments will be James Dodson. He is, of course, everyone knows as my basketball partner in our coverage of Newcastle Red Hurricanes, but James is also a huge knowledge has huge knowledge about the Indianapolis 500 and being Memorial Day weekend. I wanted to tap into that, talk about his experiences as he goes out to Indianapolis each year for the 500 and uh, talk about this year's event and some of the events that happened in the past. And I hope you enjoy it. It's a lot of fun talking to James. He's a real knowledgeable sports fan and analyst. So uh, sit back and enjoy my conversation with uh, James Dawson. And now joining me, one of my good friends and actually a very intelligent man about the Indy 500, and we're going to learn more about that, James Johnson with me. James, how you doing, my friend? Hey, doing all right. I'll be doing a lot better if uh, the weather behaves on Sunday, but uh, it's the month of May. Can't go wrong. No, you can't go wrong in the month of May, and there's a lot goes on in the month. And, of course, our uh, your passion happens in the month of May as Indy 500 comes around and uh, this is something you have uh, in your entire life been uh, really a part of. Just take a moment and talk about how you fell in love with the uh, Indy 500 and how you've gone to it each and every year. Well, it literally has been my entire life. I was just shy of 20 months old the first time I attended a race uh, with my family. No, I don't remember that race back in 1992, but uh, this will be my 27th time going to the uh, to the Indianapolis 500 Um gone every year since uh, since that 1992 race. My family first started. My dad worked uh, at a uh, at an industrial plant just uh, just a few feet, literally from the uh, from the track. And during the month of May, when he was working out there right out of college, he would go take his lunch over, go sit in the stands and watch practices. And uh, he and a coworker decided, hey, we need to go and actually watch the race. Back in uh, 1976, they went. Uh, Watched the race with a little small group of about six to eight people, and uh, it's grown every year since. It's the 44th year that uh, my family has gone. It's gone from that group of six to eight people now to we get a, a group of 30 that goes out every year uh, to, to watch the greatest spectacle in racing. And uh, every person who we've gone with and uh, brought along says, you know, they, we, we, we'll never miss it again. We don't miss that for anything, no matter what. Um, we even had uh, I, the, the two funny stories I love telling are that I had one of my best friends from high school got married on a Saturday of Memorial Day weekend, and I then ended up, after the wedding, driving through the night, getting to Indy at about 6 in the morning, and leaving for the track at 8 in the morning uh, from our hotel. And uh, the other one, another friend, got married on uh, a Sunday, on Memorial Day Sunday, race day. He handed me an invitation and pretty much said, you will not come to my wedding. Okay, I know what day this is. You are not coming to my wedding. So uh, that, that's kind of the passion that uh, that our family has always had with the 500. Wow, it is a uh, it's it's an amazing sporting event. I've never had the opportunity to go. I've only gone to uh, racing when I was up in Cleveland a few times at the uh, the airport, mm-hmm. and uh, it's 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 a different type of uh, sporting event. But what's more simpo- impressive is that you're talking about over a hundred thousand people there. So and, you're, you're uh, talking you're talking 250,000 just in the bleachers themselves, plus usually about another 50 to 100,000 uh, in the infield. They they can't right. really get an official count. You you, you can see up to three to 400,000 very easily in this place. Have you ever been on the infield? 
not for the race. I mean, we, we go and walk around in Newfield a lot for the races um, and go and, you know, to a lot of the shops that are inside. You can get down to Gasoline Alley uh, where, uh, where all the garages are and kind of walk around there a little bit. I never watched the race from the infield, but there, if you get there early enough, you can park inside the track and sit on one of the uh, infield mounds and, and get just as good of a view from the inside as you do from the out. Yeah, because I was uh, a friend of mine years ago uh, went up there, and that's what they did. They were able to get onto the infield and watch it from there. And I just wanted to know if you could compare the two, two experiences, but it's not, not the end of the world. Let's talk about the race itself going on on Sunday. Uh, uh, 33 races going uh Talk about the uh, the front row with uh, Ed Carpenter, you know, in the Chevrolet, and was a special Prigier, and uh, was Simon uh, was it Pagano? Yes, pa- yeah, Simon Pagano really uh, really impressed out of nowhere to, to take that pole, and he's actually uh, he was somebody who was uh, kind of being rumored that he was going to lose his seat with the uh, with the powerful Penske team. Uh, just really wasn't doing what he uh, what he what we all knew he could do. Uh, he won a uh, series championship a few years ago. He's kind of been on the down. And then all of a sudden, uh, the, the Indy Grand Prix a couple of weeks ago, he goes and, and uh, takes control of that race in the rain, makes a, a pass uh, late uh, on the uh, penultimate lap to be able to get that victory. And he took it right into uh, the, the practice and qualifying and to get on the pole position. He's definitely someone to watch for. He's always going to be fast. Uh, is definitely uh, dominating, though, with uh, five of the first six positions. Ed Carpenter, the hometown boy, uh, starting in the middle of the of the front row. I think everybody's hoping that the uh, the Butler University graduate uh, literally grew up at the Speedway, um, hoping that he can finally pull off that victory. And his uh, teammates uh, in uh, Spencer Piggott and Ed Jones starting third and fourth right there for Ed Carpenter Racing. A driver owner hasn't won the race in now 21 years. It'd be really nice to uh, to see him do that, especially being. Uh, somebody again right from the area, just uh, one of the fan favorites out there for sure. Yeah, that you just kind of took away my uh, next question. I was going to say that that's kind of maybe the biggest storyline uh, coming in every year. There seems to be a storyline of a, a, a special driver who may uh, be in there uh, either as a retirement run, you know, last run, or making their first appearance at Indy this year. It's just a, it's kind of about what. Uh, the that the Carpenter race team has done and what where they're at. Yeah, they're always fast at Indianapolis. It always feels like uh, Carpenter and his uh, teammates are really fast during qualifying. Just they aren't able to put it together for uh, for race pace and race day. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how those two, three, four drivers come up uh, as the race begins. Uh, I think one of the big stories again this year though ends up being a guy who didn't make the race. Actually got bumped from the field. The Mike McLaren team comes back to Indianapolis and uh, ends up getting bumped out on the on the last qualifying day uh, by Kyle Kaiser of very underfunded young coach racing. And uh, the, the fact of the matter being that the entire budget for that young coach racing uh, is less than it uh, costs basically for the hospitality suite, uh, the hospitality tent for McLaren, and yet the, uh, the money bag uh, team, the most uh, lucrative team in McLaren, could not make it into the field. I think that's... Uh, a really interesting scenario. Tough not to see uh, Fernando Alonso, the two-time world champion, in there, but I do think he will try to make uh, another run in the future, and hopefully McLaren will uh, get their act together. The other guy that I think is kind of interesting you need to keep your eye on, starting in the middle of the second row, Colton Herta. He set the record uh, just shy of 19 years old earlier this year when he won the race at Circuit of the Americas. That's the youngest ever to win uh, an IndyCar race. 19 years old, uh, son of uh, Brian Herta, the owner of the 98 car, uh, for Marco Andretti. 
I, I just think it's incredible what this guy has done in as little time he, as he's been in the third, or in the series. He has some uh, issues on car day, so we're not sure how uh, his car is going to hold up. He's had some mechanical issues throughout the season so far, but if his car stays healthy throughout the course of the race and they don't have any mechanical issues, he is, in my mind, one of the uh, one of, if not the fastest guy out there, and he's going to be somebody who will go for any chance that they can get. He's a car to see which direction he goes early on, because if he starts moving forward, uh, he might be the guy to beat. And only at 19 years old, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, uh, when we talk about Indianapolis 500, you got to talk about the Andretti's and uh, their history there, and then Marco uh, coming in and his opportunity. What, what do you think? Can the Andretti's uh, break through? It's been 50 years now, and actually Marco is uh, driving with a, uh, a special paint scheme uh, mimicking the uh, the 1969 livery that uh, Mario uh, had when he won the race back there in uh, 1969. So you're going to see that lovely uh, red paint scheme flying around, and hopefully, yeah, you do see it flying forward. Uh, Michael Landry never got it done as a racer. He's won many now uh, as a car owner, but still Marco, uh, his rookie campaign back when he was 19, got past the very... Uh, last turn uh, down at home stretch by Hornick back in 06, and he, he always seems like he's close, but can't quite pull it off. Another one that I think everybody's rooting for. If nothing else, they're rooting for that Andretti curse to finally be done, and wouldn't it be special if it could be done while he's wearing the colors of Mario Andretti, the 50th yeah, anniversary. Yeah, the 50th anniversary, that's it. Yeah, I mean, when you think about the Indy 500, how can you not think about just the history of the Andretti, so what that races meant to them and, and vice versa. I think they just, you know, they go hand in hand. There are other uh, storylines, obviously, throughout the, the entire uh, race here. Uh, what's What do you think about the manufacturers, both the Honda and Chevrolet? It looks like Chevy seems to be dominating, like you mentioned, the first uh, two rows where they have, uh, what, five of the six uh, uh, spots, and then, the, and then you have the, the Hondas, you know, coming in after that. Uh, is this going to be dominated by Chevrolet, you think, or is it just a, a scenario that that's how they uh, they qualified? It, it's tough to tell because there is definitely a difference between race pace and uh, and uh, qualifying pace for sure. And uh, every Honda driver has said straight up that yeah, Chevy definitely has a speed right now with uh, with a little more horsepower. Uh, but who knows how it plays out when it comes to the race? Because we need to see in those first couple of uh, first couple of stints uh, how he's each uh, engine does in terms of fuel management too, because Honda very likely could be a car that could end up getting two or three more laps uh, before needing to go into pit stop. If they get better mileage, then that ends up working out well uh, over the long term of the race. And I remember actually just two years ago, it was the complete opposite. Honda was dominating Chevrolet. They had all the power in the world, uh, but then they had five or six engines that ended up uh, failing over the uh, last probably 40, 50 laps, including that was uh, when Alonso was last in the race in 2017. So uh, it's very possible, too, how well does an engine last over the course of 500 miles. They're, they are very similar, but there's uh, those little technicalities that make just enough difference to, to uh, really make it almost an even feel between them. Let's just talk about you and the Indy 500s for a second again. As you mentioned earlier, you've been going your entire life. Your family has made a, a history. What are the memories that you hold dearest? I know you've been there many times, so there's, give me your top three memories that you think are just like, Wow, I'll never ever think, you know, not think about that race and that how it happened, or just the storyline going into the race and what what it transpired. Maybe something that uh, that stands out in your your uh, history with the, with the race that to you were the uh, the top some of the top stories that you witnessed. 
Well, let me start with this that I mentioned now, and the people that we've brought along with us saying, you know, they, you know, they, they wouldn't miss it. They love coming, coming back and finding a way to do it again. Um, we actually have uh, friends of my parents in from Wales right now who flew in specifically at this time to make it part of their visit to the United States, including a return trip to the Indianapolis 500. And they, they've been watching it over in the UK every year ever since and, uh, and just missing it and needing to come back. So that more than anything is, I think, really special. Um, the tradition, so every tradition during the, uh, the pre-race ceremony especially, you know, I mean, 400,000 people there, but when the playing of taps begins, it is deathly silent. It, it is just a, a chilling moment every time. Uh, Jim Neighbors and now Jim Cornelison uh, was back home again in Indiana. Those kind of traditions, I think, first and foremost, are, are something that you really can't explain until you're there and until you just know what indie means in that regard. And uh, and everybody who I talk to and say, you enjoy watching cars go around in circles for two, for two three hours? I mean, that's the, the common statement, obviously. But, you know, it, it's the, the sight, but the sound and the smell. The, the the sound of, of the streets and tires and hitting the wall, the smells of the gasoline in the air and the burning rubber. I think those are some of the uh, real impressive things that you don't know until you get there. But there's definitely, if you want to say top three memories, it's very easy for me, things that just stick with me. Uh, I mentioned one already, the uh, the Marco Andretti, when he got past the very last second. Our seats are in turn four, and we can see them going down to the start-finish line. Sam Hornish is behind Andretti, gets to the... Uh, start-finish line, and he's trying to make the pass. We lose sight of him right to start-finish line. We know they're side-by-side. Side. We're shooting our heads off, and then we look at each other like, that was awesome, but who won? Like, we, we couldn't tell if he made the pass or not, and we had to just wait until the Jumbotron popped up, and it was with uh, Hornish's car on there. And he's like, oh, he made the pass. That was awesome. Like, that, just kind of like the anticipation of what just happened, what's going to happen. Uh, another crazy finish, the, uh, the 100th anniversary, uh, J.R. Hildebrand right in front of us, a rookie winning at the very end. He's leading by four seconds, and he needs to get around a car on the last turn, turn number 800 of the race, and he hits the wall on the very last turn, and he still drives it over the finish line, but somebody passes him right before he does. Dan Weldon got the win, and uh, Hildebrand finishes second while driving on three wheels. That was just a dramatic finish, and nobody, again, knew who had won. Uh, radio thought that Hildebrand had still won, so we got people saying, yeah, Hildebrand won. No, Weldon won. Who won? It, it was it was a very fun and a memory that you're not going to forget just because of how a dramatic finish it was where a kid has the victory and it goes away just like that. Um, but sadly, the memories that you remember the most are the most spectacular crashes that happen in front of you. And it was the year before that, 2010, where a crash happened, uh, again, on the uh, last lap or next to last lap, where a car goes airborne, flips over, another car goes into the fence, and a, and the car literally disintegrated upon hitting the catch fence. And it, it's just one of those, every time um, when I'm talking with my students and I'm showing videos of they're doing their indie project, every time that crash pops up, I either have to leave the room or I just get massive chills. Just, I can still picture watching this car like it was in slow motion, watching it fly through the air and, and uh, hit the catch fence and, and everything shattering everywhere. It was a, uh, a very surreal moment and just, you know, feeling for the driver and hoping he's all okay. But uh, thankfully he was. He had a fracture of the leg as a result. Uh, Conway did in that crash. But uh, it's just one of those such a spectacular thing. You get those memories and they don't go away. And I still get chills every time that replay pops up uh, on uh, 
the preludes and on the races and any time I go and watch a, another race on YouTube. And now the, the question is, and we talked about it quite earlier in, in the conversation, but we'll bring it up again. Uh, what is the forecast for this weekend up in Indianapolis? I know, you know, they've always uh, do their very best to get the race in during uh, on the on the Sunday, but sometimes they run on Saturday or Monday mornings, that type of scenario. So, what are the chances that we're going to get the race in on time on the over schedule start? Or are we going to have to uh, have a 24-hour delay, you think, this year? Um, I'm hoping it's not a 24-hour delay. Now, the forecast looks better than it has. Um, a couple of days ago, it was like complete washout on Sunday, and those Saturday and Monday, like, bookend days around it didn't look great either. Um, now it looks like Saturday's okay, Monday is really good, uh, but Sunday is still about an 80% chance of rain. Now, the last I've heard, though, is it's supposed to be showers early in the morning and then nothing until three or four in the afternoon. There might be just enough of that window, that window over Terre Haute, uh, to allow us to get uh, a race in. They have, they've, uh, excuse me, really improved on their technologies to be able to drive the, the track a lot quicker. They got carb day practice uh, in with a, a minimal delay. It took them a little over an hour to drive the track, whereas it used to take over three hours uh, just about ten years ago. It would take that long. So the fact they can get it dry that much more quickly I feel optimistic, but at the same time, uh, it at least looks like Monday should be in the clear if we do have to have a 24-hour delay. I really hope that doesn't have to happen, but uh, as long as it doesn't delay into Tuesday or into the next weekend, that's when uh, that's when really you get disappointment. Most people can usually stay for a Monday race because it's Memorial Day weekend, but uh, if we can uh, try to get it Sunday, that'd be nice, but Monday at least looks to be uh, knock on wood in good shape as well. It should be a lot of fun. Look, I wish you the best. Have safe travels. I appreciate you taking time on my little bonus episode here for uh, Radio MVP as we uh, preview the uh, Indy 500. And uh, enjoy yourself. I know you've been doing a lot of baseball locally over in uh, in WPIL land and others. And uh, continue doing your thing. I can't wait for basketball season between you and I again. And I know how busy you are. And football's just around the corner. So, obviously, you know. Uh, you have an open invitation all the time, and I can't wait to talk to you about the upcoming football season, too. But most importantly, have a great time this weekend and uh, cheer on a, and one, of the, one of the great American spectacular sporting events uh, that happens on Memorial Day weekend. I appreciate it, and uh, can't wait for that. And uh, uh, I, I will definitely say I would join you for a, a post-race show, but uh, depending on how the race goes, you'll be lucky if I have a voice for Monday or Tuesday. <laughs> Well, you save your voice. Well, maybe we'll talk next week about that and have you come on and recap it for us. Sounds good, Tim. All right. That's James Dotson, and we will be back, or I will be back, I should say, here and wrap up this special edition here of Radio MVP. Uh, thanks again to James Dotson for uh, previewing the Indy 500. All right. That's my conversation with James Dotson as he heads out to Indianapolis to watch the Indy 500 this weekend. Safe travels, my friend. And I look forward to talking to you very soon about your adventures out in Indianapolis and, of course, uh, throughout Western Pennsylvania as we cover sports here on RadioMVP.com. All right. I hope you enjoyed our special edition here. Uh, Always, you can find us on RadioMVP.com. We're available on iTunes, Stitcher, and just about anywhere you get your download, your podcast. And uh, if there's any place to give a review and a rating, please do. 
as uh, we continue to try to grow Radio MVP. All right, till the next time we talk, I'm Tim Content as a thanks for joining us on this special edition of Radio MVP Sports Podcast.